1: Making new ground and people will appreciate it later on. You know what I mean? It's really about what you see, you know, what you have inside. You know, everybody's a unique individual here. You know what I mean? So you have something to contribute. So whatever it is, follow that and bring it out. It's the share a table with all of us. You know what I mean? Yo with grace when my ink the page. I'm Sam Cates, hit these kids like a kick in the face. For minimum wage, we stay moving forward on top of these rhythms. At all costs, it's in the job description. Easy to say, harder to live it. When we tryna honor tradition, but fact is the cost of living's got you stressed out and spread thin, playing all positions. Trying to rise, sabotage by indecision. Clocks ticking, plots ticking. Trying to shine your light, gotta do more than just wash dishes, mop kitchens. Can't hesitate, you got wisdom. Most are only ready for the sprint. The shit's long distance, they not conditioned. My giant slap, you leave the record straightened. For those mistaken, fronting like they miss hell, cause they miseducated. I treat this like my thesis, dominate your playlist More Afro than Angie Davis Saying we all just chasing our dreams and aspirations Some will call it quits, others demonstrate dedication Perseverance is key to successes in the making And more than work, it takes patience So yo, can't let them trick you or distract you from your goals Or be lured by the spoils of empires that we oppose when they try to push that poison, just point them towards my pros And tell them calm down, listen to a brother, who knows Man, most ain't done the reading and it shows Mediocre Joes posing as pros Just how it goes in this day and age But super duty be that change of pace And raise the stakes each time we take the stage Ain't my takes at these snakes that's late to the game Don't make the same mistakes Had they whole career to speak but chose to play it safe That's why I don't put trust in these rappers or those that give the praise That goes for hometown heroes right up to J and B. I guess it's just how I was raised Black radical tradition stay in my veins Something I won't disgrace for front page placement of likes Or riches and exclaim Try to deny us, you gon' feel our wrath Like climate change, you bums Peep the lineage in my drums What I stand for speaks for itself I never run, so when I show you my gun Know my Uzi weighs a ton And we are live from treaty number one One 1.5
2: umfm this is thank god it's free range the friday edition of free range radio i'm michael Alves and kicking things off for us tonight it's the leadoff track from super duty tough works latest record paradigm shift mission statement that album gets its release tomorrow night and uh we are going to be talking to show opener t fanny rapper from calgary in uh, just a few minutes uh shout out to my son archer who was in for uh, take a kid to work day earlier this week and did the clean edit of that Super Duty Tough Work track and uh, did some, some other work around the station as well. Uh, before we get to that, though, Christian Dillingham. It's a record called Cascades. Great jazz record that uh, I just went back to for, I don't know, just landed on it earlier this week and kind of wanted to play the bottoms. One of my favorite tracks from it. Uh, so we're going to play that. Uh, You know, some of the Super Duty folks coming out of the School of Music Jazz Program here at the University of Manitoba. So uh, shout out to jazz artists and to rap artists and the convergence of the two. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
3: All right, well, making her Winnipeg debut opening for Super Duty Tough Work this weekend, T. Fanny from Calgary joins us on the show. Welcome.
4: Uh, thank you so much for having me.
3: So uh, my, my first question is, how did you get connected with Super Duty Tough Work and ended up on this bill supporting them at their album release? Randomly. Huh.
4: <laughs> um, I feel like my whole career is random, but no, I... Uh, I saw Super Duty Tough Work at Sled Island when they came here uh, to McKenzie's Calgary, and I like geeked. I just was like, you guys are like completely perfect. Like what? Um, and then I was, of course, doing the usual geeking to everybody when you, when you see something really cool. And I happened to be like at a dinner at an Alberta music dinner, and the manager for Super Duty Tough Work was right across the way when I was geeking about it. And she's like, oh, I'm actually the manager for them. And I was like, what? Um, and, uh, I guess their opener had just dropped out. And so it was beautiful timing also. And they were like, yeah, if you're willing to come down and like sleep in a spare room or something, and I'm like, of course (laughs) I am a couch surfer for my career. Let's do it. So, so so just like
3: sheer joy of enjoying the band leads to this and and being verbal about it. (laughs) You, you, sp- you yeah. spoke your truth into the world.
4: Uh, I really did, like, and I'm just really excited to actually see them perform again, and let alone being able to open for them is like wild.
3: So were they like a blind discovery at Sled for you? Like, did you know anything
4: about them going into it? Nothing at all. Like, absolutely. Not. I was there for Havaya Mighty, mm. um, and then they were opening for her, and I was like, whoa, like, whoa. I like, and I stumbled across it, and then on top of that, turns out that we actually are both heavily involved with the same producer junior t Mm -hmm. so it's such a small world so like it's going to be super cool that um that night on friday or you know when we do the show on friday for super duke tough work it's going to basically be a junior t night because it's going to be like mostly his beats nice so
3: obviously you you mentioned uh, you're in calgary how did you get hooked up with junior t then is it just like the canadian hip-hop scene is kind of like you know na- a national network and not just you know regional
4: oh random again man like i when we first met it was a friend one of my best friends since i was like 16 asked if one of his friends could stay at my place and i was like you want a random dude to stay with me like i live by myself and <laughs> <laughs> this is but the, he like vouched for him <laughs> yeah, it was the start totally, of a like, horror random. film like, or something yeah Right, right. I was like, this could go very well or very whatever. And this was like before he kind of got his big notoriety that he has now. And so I was just like it was just a person sleeping on my couch for the weekend. I drove him around to his events and stuff and then we built a bond from there. But I I wasn't really like doing music so much. And then a year later, he came back for like another I think for like some beat competition. And he liked my growth that I had within the year. And so we've like we've been doing this album now for three years. Working on this project that's finally going to come out next year, yeah, it's random, random, random. Just be genuinely
3: nice to people. That's always a good idea, right? (laughs) Uh, So you mentioned, you know, like growth in music. As I understand it, a bit of a late starter to the to the rap career. What led Mm -hmm. you to it? Like, how did you decide at a certain point this is something I want to do?
4: Um. I guess it was kind of always like bubbling up inside. I had like massive stage fright though. So it wasn't until like just after my 30th birthday that like somebody told me, hey, you don't have any kids or like partner or pets or anything. It's not a bad thing, but you could do whatever you want to do right now. <laughs> and I was like, you're kind of right. So that I had like a friend kind of push me on stage and I didn't die on stage. So I was like, maybe I can actually be like an artist, you know? Um, so, yeah, I got started super late because I just never really thought that it was something actually viable for me to do. And then when I started, I was like, OK, well, as long as it keeps progressing, you know, we'll see what happens. Like, I understand that starting after 30 is not ideal in the music world. So <laughs> so I was, I'm being very, like, realistic with myself. But um, it's been like steady growth for I guess it's been like four years now, four or five years.
3: Had you been writing and just not performing because of stage fright? Or did kind of the two happen at the same time?
4: Yeah, I was writing, like, poetry.
3: Uh-huh.
4: I guess I feel like that's like how, like, every rapper starts off. It's so cliche. But, like, <laughs> I, I really was. Like, I started off writing poetry. Couldn't recite that either. Um, I would enter, like, anonymous contests online and stuff. But I... Yeah, it it wasn't like raps until until I was like 30 31 and then I was thinking that I would just be a, a ghostwriter or a recording artist not like a performing artist I mm. figured I'll be behind the scenes that's my role I, I'm thinking I still want to do something with music but I'm I want to like help another artist grow you know I don't want it to be me and then and then it changed <laughs> Yeah. It's
3: interesting to think like, cause when I think of MCs, usually the personality is very like outgoing and boisterous, right? Like that's like, they want to own the stage and it, it yeah. doesn't seem to go hand in hand with, with stage fright. How do you get past that and like develop a, a persona or like a, a stage presence? I think, I think for me it was
4: like, I almost feel like i was always meant to be up there and it was just a stupid fear like as soon as i literally realized like little things right after my show like things like i felt like i was visibly shaking like i just felt like the whole world could see my legs shake and my me trembling with the mic in my hand and 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 you know me belt belching from like almost throwing up And when I watched the video back and also like feedback from people like you can't see any of that. Mm. And I think that's like what clicked for me. And then I just kept getting more and more comfortable on stage. Like I was, I was fortunate enough to have like a lot of artists around me because I grew up watching people like Politic Live and Arlo Maverick and stuff. And so when I started, like they would give me little tips, like how to hold the mic properly and like don't stand in one spot on the stage, you know, just little things like that that help my stage presence and I'm like when I get really into something I'm like all into it so I just I worked really hard to try and catch up to the people that I, like I was surrounded by cuz even meeting Junior T so early in my career I was just like okay this is cool but like I really don't want any like handouts I don't want people to look at me like oh she just got there because of her friends you know mm-hmm. so I just I wanted to like work 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 so that I can get to a level so that I'm with my peers, not like playing catch up anymore, I guess. Right.
3: Yeah. So but speaking of your friends, did I read the K Riz is another pal of yours?
4: Yeah, K Riz is he's I call him my big bro because we've known each other since since we were like 15, 16. Mm. Um, and ever since then, we always just told people that we were brother and sister. And of course, now that we're both doing music, we're like, you know, doing a little play off of it. I think we're, we're going to have a project coming out, Sibling Rivalry. Um, But yeah, that's that's like my big bro for life in music.
3: Now, obviously, he's been performing for a while. Did you talk to him at all about kind of performance style? Like you mentioned, you know, looking at someone like Arlo Maverick or something. But like, did having a Mm. a a big bro doing it, it it, it almost feels like you know, like with an actual big brother who maybe like you know passes down his record collection or something that you're able to kind (laughs) of.
4: You know, it's funny. It kind of really was because when we were 16. Um, like when we first met and he was like oh do you listen to hip-hop and I was like uh I don't know like whatever's on the radio you know I think Missy might have been on the radio back then and like like Pharrell like you know what's it was very like pop hip-hop right um and he was like no and he gave me the Nas Illmatic oh and I dove into that and that was like my first I would say like actual hip-hop taste um and then it was like side and like De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and J Electronica. Like those were my like go-to hip hop. If it's not, if it's not in that realm, it's just not hip hop to me.
3: So you kind um, of went like street poetry to then like native tongue stuff.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then, and then I, and then Nikki came out and I was obsessed with Nikki Minaj when she first like, like, like 2007, 2008 pre album. I'm one of those old Nikki, dear old Nikki, please come back. Well, I'm one of those fans. Okay. <laughs> um. And but that was like the first artist that I actually dove in and was like, you know, singing all, all her lyrics, uh, rapping every little thing, knowing all the words going and finding every new interview, I would have playlists of like, just her verses like her featured verses on other songs just like 30 second strips of her just i yeah i was obsessed um was there something specific like my, about
3: her voice that you gravitated to like like and i don't I mean like she, her like like voice as in like timbre, but like the the words and what she's like her messaging
4: i think i i don't even know what it was i think she was just so rude and like it she she like it was like it was like she was a dude like we were listening to all these dudes rap and I just felt like she came out like a dude like Lil' Kim was very much like girly 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 mm-hmm. but I just I felt like when Nikki came out it was like she was she was so hard and like I just I don't know I was obsessed with it and then I feel like my style now is like a mix between Hey Riz and Nicki Minaj and maybe Missy
3: well that begs an interesting question because I'd read a, a little bit about you know you'd finally kind of tackling queer identity within your lyrics and so like mm. gender dynamics and and you know role representation in hip hop because very often yeah, it was kind of like the dudes are kind of misogynistic and the women are you know the little kids Overly of the world. sexualized overly yeah sexualized. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and finding your own place uh, as a person within this you know genre how do you like is it a struggle to kind of like push back against some of that?
4: I struggle so much because like being sexual is still a part of me and I'm an artist. So I'm going to like, I want to show sides of that, you know, but I don't want it to be the end all be all. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes if like, you know if i end up doing one video or something where i'm like wearing a bodysuit and maybe look a little good or whatever and then that's what pops me i feel like a lot of artists will just stay in that lane because they feel like that's what people like and so they just stay there mm. but i i'm so curious if like i just i struggle with like yeah i don't really want to show all of that i want to be against it but also like that's a part of me so i should be able to show my sexuality every now and then um it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's such a struggle, I don't know. And like every single female artist that's popular that I know, like we've seen lots of parts of their bodies. <laughs> um, so like, I, I really don't know. And and like, also there's nothing wrong with that. So it's it's so conflicting. Like I, I, I really don't know how to speak or how to navigate through that yet. I just know that I have to keep being myself um I've separated the super super sexual stuff because for me personally like my dad was military and I just don't know how to keep him away from that (laughs) like I don't know how these like Cardi B's and Megan Thee Stallions like I don't know how their parents deal but I just for me I'm like Hershey T is actually a whole other alter ego of mine and I don't really advertise her that much she's just there for the freaks whatever but like my dad knows if he ever sees Hershey tea anywhere around, don't click, don't listen, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Stay so far away. He
3: knows that persona is NSFW.
4: Yeah, it is not safe for any family. Yeah, there's yeah there's a video of me, Hershey tea where I'm wearing a white bodysuit and I got Confluence, which is like a um, a local distiller, local liquor here in Mokinsis, Calgary, and we we took the liquor into like a flash dance i had a, a a pole dancer up on the pole and i was at a chair at the bottom <laughs> and he poured the liquor all over my white bodysuit that's hershey tea
3: so the and that's
4: like the extreme level of like i can't i don't want to show it too much in tea fanny mm-hmm. so hershey tea is like an extreme version of
3: so it's like an outlet for you for certain songs or, or certain sentiments
4: Yeah, basically. For me, it's like it's an outlet. And I started off with her like she would only drop on I called it side chick day, which is February 15th. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and then I just I got a bit too busy. So this year she didn't put out anything, but she has two projects out there two like three song projects. So in terms of
3: getting things out, I I read that you wrote like a 4 a.m. response to the Million March for Children. Oh, is is it true that like like in the middle of the night you couldn't sleep and you just had to to write?
4: Yeah. So what happened was during the day I was working and my coworker and I were like going back and forth on it. And then for some reason I just started typing and I wrote out basically the whole song. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I'm one of those impulse people. I know that I'm just going to want to like tell my job that I'm sick and like record this and put it online right now, you know? But I was like, let me be an adult and not be so so haste or whatever. Yeah. And I just, I sat on it for the day and then I couldn't sleep. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I can't sleep. I need to just, so like, yeah, like two, three o'clock in the morning, I, I recorded it and I think I uploaded it by like four. It was just, it and it's not even like i wouldn't even say it's the best like representation of my skills and stuff it's literally like i don't know what it is it's like it's like a half rant not half like part rant part poetry part spoken word um part rap like it's just my brain i couldn't
3: well full credit because i couldn't sleep but i didn't do anything productive with it i didn't make a song
4: well I mean that's I guess that's just the, the I'm fortunate enough to be an artist because like not everybody has an outlet but this world is highly tough right now and uh yeah I I'm I, I'm just fortunate enough to have that outlet and I was just hoping that like maybe if people listen to it that like maybe they have the same views and like maybe it'll be a little bit of a relief or a, re- a release but mm-hmm. um Also, on the other end, I'm hoping that somebody listens to it and clicks in like, oh, maybe I am a bit of a bigot. Like, (laughs) I don't know. Doubtful. But it was more so for like us.
3: If you reach one, I mean, that that's a change that can be a force for good. Uh, In terms of the set this weekend as an opening set, like how do you what goes into putting together how you're going to present yourself to the Super Duty fans that are there, you know, obviously (laughs) for the release show?
4: I am beyond excited. Well, I, I catered this set. So I wanted it to be uh, more on the boom bap side because, you know, Super Duty Tough Work is hip hop. They are they are hip hop. It's just, yeah. And as like a fan too, I'm just like, I want it to be such a perfect set. So I, I catered it more to, like I took more of my boom bap-ish type songs and I'm going to be performing those. Um, it's about a 40 minute set. And I also took, I like doing covers. I don't see a lot of covers in hip hop. I think Super Duty Tough Work, I'm pretty sure they did a cover for Sled Island too. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, mashing that. I have a, a Nas mm. beat that the Nas made you look because, you know, to bring it back full circle with, with how I started um, listening to hip hop. Uh, and then I'm going to do a Missy Elliott cover, like a full cover with only one of my verses at the end um and then a lot of the beats are going to be the junior t beats for the new album that comes out next year
3: cool well before we let you go i want to get you to pick a track that we can play for listeners uh give them a little taste of what you might be doing at the release
4: yeah sure actually i just dropped a track uh kind of today yeah another one of my impulse but here's what (laughs) happened (laughs) um catfish and i Catfish the wizard. he's a dope producer and he um we came up with this song this is the radio so i can't say exactly how <laughs> but uh, we were not exactly sober um and we came up with this song and we just like one took it and i just thought it was like perfect kind of for halloween and i just fell in love with it so we dropped it and then i wanted to do a bit of a, an experiment to see how long it takes the distro kid to upload to all the platforms so i uploaded it yesterday I think as of right now, it's on YouTube and TikTok, um, but it's still waiting to trickle down to all of the, uh, the streaming platforms, but super excited. It's Catfish the Wizard and then Rubik's is on uh, a feature as well.
3: All right. We'll give that a listen. Uh, you mentioned the radio. That reminds me, you do a show at CKXU.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do.
3: How does uh, um, I'm- doing a show impact like your writing? Like, Do you find that listening to other people for the purpose of putting together a radio show impacts you as a writer at all?
4: Hmm. No, I haven't found that. Um, I do find that it impacts like uh, my following. So like when you support people, you get support back mm. for, for the most part. And so I found that like, just by simply like playing some of the people's songs, like they'll in turn make it some comments on my Insta. Maybe they'll see like a show that's in their area um, share it on their stories. Like it's, it's kind of cool in that sense. I never really thought that uh, I would get anything back from it. I'm just like, I just genuinely think that Canada has some amazing, amazing talent. And I wanted to do a show that's only Canadian music and like still be dope.
3: That loops us back to you, you know, just saying positive things about super duty, tough work and their manager being across the, the room and stuff. This is uh, a yeah. full circle.
4: Wild Elise. Yeah. We were literally like, we just happen to be sitting across from each other at the table, and like, uh, just yeah, just talking about Super dirty Tough Work. Their Sled Island shows immaculate. I literally I call them immaculately perfect. And then I didn't even know that they have a whole saying of like tell six friends, to tell six friends about us. And I was like, that's interesting. That's literally how I operate. I feel like a lot of my like rise has been word of mouth. So.
3: Awesome. Well, happy to have you on this show. Looking forward to having you in town. Uh, T Fanny, opening for Super Duty Tough Work for their Paradigm Shift album release. Thanks for taking some time and safe travels.
4: Thank you. See you soon. Cheers. Catfish on that
5: Yeah, it's Café beat. Hello, my name is T. Fanny. Café beat. Hello, my name is T. You can't take me off my grind, nah, nah. please man, I don't have that time. No time, what you think, I can write your rhymes, nah bro, I'm just all about mine. how of view fake fake. fake, fake, how to show I'm not gay, gay, be showing up late, late, can't recognize fake, fake, Hello? city behind me, you cannot find me, I pop up everywhere, mm-hmm. thinking you kindly, now you can finally mm-hmm. me. I'll throw a pad, so city behind me, you cannot find me, I pop up everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. thinking you kindly, now you can find mm-hmm. me. I'll throw a pad, Cause we staying in the light You're not the only thing that keeps me up at night Catch me staying in the light. You're not the only thing that keeps me up at night. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for all that I have been blessed with. Uh-huh. I got a roof, I got some friends, I got some fresh fits. So Closest people all around me got the best with. Uh-huh. Running to enemies on foot the go with no helmet. Uh-huh. I'm selfish, I felt the skin and I kept it. Uh-huh. I'm reckless, shoulda passed no interceptions. Football. Not a competition, but who on the rise? Right? Let's get it stamped. Let's go get it notarized. Right. Catch me staying in the light. You're not the only thing that keeps me up at night. Catch me staying in the light. You're not the only thing that keeps me up at night. We pulling up the trap deep from the core. Touch the apples, grow a pair. See the spores, check a hide. When I capture all my demon sides, Venom God, blood, dash and disappear like the seeing a fog. Add the three carries on my air just carry me. When I flash it like you, like the moth, how they stare at me. So thank you, we ratchet with the clank. Break your angst, be like ang. Word the onk, yin and yang. Rhythms back and forth. I dip like hummus, my linguist is cunning. Faze you up with things your mental's numbing. My bubble is like that sword cutting. Swordfish when it's swift off the guillotine. My body's so will flip the top and make him spill the beans. dreams, lest we state the obvious hypothesis. We kidnap some psychologists. No cause of this. My cause of loss is that I lost my niche. Life moves on, my
6: boy. Uh, no pausing it.
2: Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, Friday edition of Free Range Radio. You heard Stay in the Light before the break. That is a new track from T. Fanny, who is opening for Super Duty Tough Work tomorrow night. Uh, coming up in just a moment, after this new track from Quebec artist Rosalie Ayotte, uh, Isque, who stopped by the studio a couple weeks ago, was in town briefly, former Winnipegger, uh, now recording and performing everywhere. Uh, we talked about the new record that will be coming out in a while uh, and about the new song, Part Two, that's out today. We'll be playing that one as well. Uh, but first, LS partie This is from Pensement, Rosalie Ayotte, here on 101.5 UMFM.
7: J'avais une poupée un peu grise, au visage
3: Join in studio by Isque, we've uh, had you on the show by phone since you've been living, you know, further Abroad. afield, uh, <laughs> but back in town. And um, I guess maybe the last time we talked, you were working with Tom Wilson on that uh, yeah. collab record. We sure were. I mean, we were talking about kind of like working with someone else, you know, on, on the same level, mm-hmm. like, like like not just like working with a producer or working with right. musicians, but like, you know, Another sharing artist. a bill yeah. in, in some sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Going back to kind of like doing your own stuff was that were you taking lessons you learned from working with Tom or was it kind of like I want to go back to, you know, what Uh, I've done in the past and just kind of pursue that path?
8: Good question. Working with Tom was a wonderful dream because I just got to show up and sing songs and interpret them. So I didn't do any of the writing. I didn't do, you know, any of that piece. But I was given the job of sitting with the songs and feeling them and then performing them right and this was the first time that i had presented music in that way so it was a beautiful experience because i got to just feel it without having been a part of the creation Mm -hmm. and so then when it came time and also funny enough that was happening happening simultaneously as i was working on the new music that you have here okay so both of those things took place at the same time, they've just been released at different times. Gotcha. Yeah. So you've been
3: sitting on these songs
8: for two years
3: for a long time. Yeah. Uh,
8: Welcome to the music industry. Yeah.
3: Right. And uh, is it like related in some way to like pressing plant delays and stuff? Or
8: it's related to a few different things. Right. So budget, yes, because yeah. I run as a record label. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm the only artist on my record label, but I still run things as a record label and so you have to you know you can you can only do so much within you know certain dollar parameters and stuff so I had to hold off before I was able to actually start um, paying all of the people that I needed in order to get this project out and and into people's ears and hearts and stuff right Um, and then yeah so there's there's you know little bits and pieces like that but money is unfortunately the, the thing that really decides when you get to release stuff
3: understandably and particularly as an independent artist
8: absolutely as an independent artist yeah so to answer your question though the two happening simultaneously was wonderful like having the ability to tap into my own emotions and my own sentiments and my own stories and write them record them work with a producer who really was in tune with what I was hearing in my head so finally A lot of the, uh, you know, these songs are, you know, from the moment that they began as a spark in my mind to the moment that they're, you know, in your ears, I felt like they were really um, seen for what I wanted them to be and what I wanted them to sound like and so on. And so that was a great and brand new experience as well. Where finally, music that I'm, you know, from start to finish, I'm like, this is exactly what I wanted it to be like. It didn't have anybody else shifting it based on how they thought it should sound. So that was a new experience. And then simultaneously, this new experience with Tom, where I got to show up and sing and and emote without having been a part of creation, was also a great new experience.
3: Yeah, because you were talking about, you know, the songs that you did with Tom. It give you the opportunity to just feel them, mm-hmm. that like the the creative pressure wasn't there because like someone had written the songs and gone through that process. Yeah, it sounds like though that the opportunity to like bask in feeling may be informed or helped thinking about the feeling of these songs that are now coming out.
8: Uh, you would think so. Okay, but I I wrote them before I recorded the record. Like I did. I did these songs of my own on my solo project before I went into the studio with Tom to do those songs. However, I was I had received them sort of kind of at the same time. Mm. So I was learning them. So it's I don't know how to answer that because it's kind of like, yeah, but no, but
3: you can't separate them. Yeah. Based on kind of chronology and stuff. exactly Yeah.
8: Yeah. But they were such distinct projects that I went to two very different places with them. Right. So, so
3: who did you work with as producer on this record? <gasps> Damien,
8: the wizard, Taylor. I had the
3: wizard. So what led you to Damien? Was there like a specific album he'd done or well, a song that you heard that we were like, yeah. who is this producer? How?
8: Okay. So Damien Taylor has produced for folks like Bjork, The Prodigy, The Killers, Arcade Fire, like all kinds of heavy, heavy yeah. that I've I've really admired over the years and he was also uh, Bjork's musical director for for quite some time mm. and so I was very Bjork for those who know me Bjork is just one of my absolute favorite artists of all time and I really appreciate the you know the the oddity of of her art and the scope of Of her art and the constant evolution of her art Mm -hmm. and sonically it's you know i i some of her older stuff specifically the way and these wound up being projects that damien was was working on they are very much rooted in these incredible low-end sounds bass lines and so on that blend string quartets with electronics with Band kind of sounds like just a a beautiful combination, which is how I write and what I look for when it comes to finding a producer that will channel what I'm hearing, what I've already started on, and be able to get it into the final product because my producer chops are not that strong. Right. Right. So I didn't, you know, I'm not somebody who follows producers, but I follow the artists. And so I was working with an AR who. while we were starting to work on this new or while I was starting to work on this new music was looking for somebody who could be a good fit to produce it mm. and and presented Damien. So I hadn't heard of Damien as a human, but I knew a lot of his work. Right. So it was very exciting. And, you know, I had to go into it. And then funny enough, here's a little funny story about how bad my memory is. And it's embarrassing, but I'm going to tell it anyway. When we had our first chat, um, I was like, man, I'm a huge fan of York and blah, blah, you know, like. Very excited to tell him and, and you know, like excited to say, you know, what I had appre- what I had appreciated in his work and so on. Mm-hmm. And then I misquoted the Bjork record. Oh no! <laughs> I said the wrong one. And it wasn't even because that's the one that I was hearing in my brain or that I was referring to in my brain. I just like misnamed the album and bless his heart. He made. no, And he didn't work on the record that I had listed, even though in my brain he had worked on the one that, you know. Sure. Yeah. So. That was wonderfully embarrassing, and he never mentioned it. And then now I'm telling all of you.
3: There you go. It's interesting that it was a Bjork thing that led you to it. Because I was going to mm-hmm. say, like this record, like there is a lot going on, and that's mm-hmm. something like. No matter what is happening in a Bjork record, there's always a lot going there's on.
8: There's always a lot going on.
3: Right. Like you, you said, yeah. Stylistically, she has changed dramatically, dramatically. but she's always singularly Bjork, and it's exactly. The like the the because through line is there's the, so much around her exactly,
8: her voice, her being, her like she is the the pillar of all of her sonic and visual and so on expression. So it's like as she shifts and grows and evolves as an artist, she is still the the, the epicenter
3: of it all. So was that something that you maybe talked about with Damien, like like that yeah, epicenter? Exactly. Like I, my voice needs to be in the middle, but I want to be enveloped.
8: Absolutely. And funny enough, you know, these songs you'll notice don't have huge backing vocal tracks. And that was also on purpose. We wanted the we wanted it to be somewhat singular, right? Like like I had a story to tell and I wanted to tell the story. And yes, I wanted the palette and the scenery to be huge and lush because this was done in Mexico. I wanted these you know like I wanted the experiences to come across like I wanted somebody to when they when they listen to these tunes they go on a journey mm-hmm. but I wanted to be a storyteller still at the same time you know I didn't want it to be um, swept away with wild vocal productions and and you know wild harmonies that can be incredible and beautiful, and I've done them in the past, but I don't, y- you know, with this one, I wanted it to be more like focused in on what I was saying.
3: It's interesting. So. I didn't know it was recorded in Mexico, but mm-hmm. when you were talking about kind of like the, the vocal and then being surrounded, I was thinking of like like a flashlight in a forest, ah, right? Yeah. And so there's like a, this dense forest. Yeah. Maybe it's a dense jungle yeah. instead that it, like your voice is the flashlight.
8: Well, it was the jungle of Mexico City.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's an urban jungle. <laughs> it's
8: an urban jungle, but it is a an incredible place and you know 33 million people like the energy there we we captured a lot of environmental sounds and some of the experiences that i have talked about like you know in these tunes took place outside of the city but the production and and the the writing and recording took right. place in mexico city
3: well speaking of experiences i know there's mm-hmm. like like uh, relational and like emotional songs amongst mm-hmm. the singles that you've released so far mm-hmm. like are you a person who like tries to tap into like your your autobiography when you write or do you maybe push against that impulse at all?
8: I yeah, this is the first time that I've felt comfortable doing it, mm-hmm. really. You know, I've, I've sort of loosely touched on it in the past in terms of being really vulnerable about my own personal experiences and my own private heartbreak and and love and sensuality and all of these things that are very intimate. Mm-hmm. And. So this is this is new. Not, yeah, new to me, really. Like, new to me to finally tap into it comfortably and to start sharing it.
3: So when you say comfortably, like, like in a way that you're not too tender in the emotion?
8: Um, no. In a way that I'm allowing myself to tell my truthful stories of these very intimate experiences. Right. You know, like one of the end of it all as an example is a story about my divorce, the end of my marriage and well, not so much the divorce, but the end of the marriage. And that's a very deeply personal thing to go through. Right. And, you know, so my, my ex-wife likes to joke very playfully that, um, you know, the only love song I ever wrote her was at the end of our marriage. And, and you know, it, it, uh, it has some truth to it because it's, in the past, it hasn't been the thing that I've been able to tap into. And I don't know if it's, you know, if it was some sort of mental block, emotional block, you know, age, maturity, time. Who knows what it was, but the that switch was able to, to flick for me. And now I do feel much more capable or available to tap into those places and, and have those...
3: So you were maybe holding yourself in reserve prior to that? I think so, yeah. yeah.
8: You know, I, I think that um, emotional vulnerability hasn't been my strong suit in this lifetime to date. Right. <laughs> work in progress.
3: So then writing a song like that and then having to perform it yeah. either on record or live, are, are you at a place where you're able to do that, like, comfortably? I am. Yeah,
8: yeah I am. Because the enough time has passed that we're very good friends you know the 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 sentiments in the song itself like the the specifics that I'm referring to are are now you know enough time has passed enough healing has taken place that I can be a part of it again without it being too raw right that's kind of the 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 beauty of having done these tunes two years ago Is that there's been enough time. Yeah, yeah, there's been enough time of me. I mean, I've sat with them, I've listened to them, I've sang along to them, I've all of those things. I've created the you know, the, the visuals that go with them, all of these different pieces. So I've been a part of it the entire time. However, now the dissemination and the performance like I said, there's been enough space and time that I've been able to heal and work with, you know, or not work with, but like, yeah, work with, you know, my loves who are a part of these stories, so that I know that they're comfortable with it as well. It's not like I've, you know, cut this breakup record and then I'm like surprise, and they're like, oh my god, what? And then I'm cutting, you know, like re, cutting wounds all over the place. Right.
3: Uh, before I let you go, uh, I want to get you to pick a song. Great. And if you have a reason why you're picking it, or if you have an anecdote about the song, let me know, Mm -hmm. and I would love to hear that.
8: I'm gonna go with part two. This is the latest tune that um, that I'm I've released, and this one is the references the second act of my broken heart. (laughs) So this song is about a love affair that took place at the end of my marriage. And you know and out and it was a rocky one it was full of you know love and passion and heartache and unhealthy choices and you know all kinds of things mixed up into one big ball so part two the second act it's uh, you know it's it's a jam that when I hear it I am transported back to the 90s New York club scene. That's where I go in my mind. I imagine sure. myself dancing in some place that's kind of, you know, underground and hard to see.
3: <laughs> well, hopefully it'll transport <laughs> listeners. Thanks very much for coming in. It's good to have you on live here. Uh,
8: thank you for having me. It's always good to see you too.
0: Get in,
6: loser. Alright. We're going shopping. <laughs> Let's go! I've been going hard. They're telling me to stop it. Well, Kim was Got that money in my pocket. Got a PT cruiser rental, and I told my girl i hop it. Getting in, loser. Dollar. Came a long way, me and my brother, dropping a stack at the drop of a dime. I missed the flight, just booking another. Woo, I'm sick and I'm wicked and nasty. They follow me like paparazzi. How oh, can I help you? They ask me if I feel better then baby I give that for cash free. I'ma cut me a grill to see how I feel, homie. My girl, we ain't broke no more. he has got a ring to it. Put a ring on it. I shoot my shot. We fine. Boy, that rock don't lie. This that moonlight shine. We say goodbye to the days when my car declined. Cause I got paid today.
7: Yeah, I got paid today.
6: shopping, I need therapy. we going shopping, take my pain away, we going shopping. I got me a designer, his name Hugo, he a boss. everything is custom, I ain't worried what it costs. My designers are indigenous, that boot is for the cause. I don't check the tags, man, I just put it right out, yeah. Eating good Rick Ross, keep receipts right off, I do it all, no loss charge it to the game box hey rainy or sunny i'ma go dummy we bout to vacay out of the country i could get used to the luxury never should have gave you Nietzsche's money you. Pay me. god damn it i'm broke again back to burning them smokes again i need help from my folks again this. swore I'd never be broke again when it's back up get the cash out Turn the cameras out but the actor when it's said and done let me tell you something Go around and find out, son. Look at me, look at me. Angers when the spotlight here. Look at me, look at me. I'm shining bright and we way too late. Look at me, look at me. I could be on the Forbes list. Look at me, look at me. But I spent it all for deposit here. I got paid today. We going shopping. Don't save for rainy days. We going shopping. I need therapy. I do. We going shopping. Take my pain away. Okay. We going shopping. I got paid today We going shopping Don't stay for rainy days We going shopping I need therapy We going shopping Take my pain away We going shopping I got paid today
2: Back here on Thank God It's Free Range, Friday edition of Free Range Radio. You just heard a new single from Snotty Nose Rez Kids. That's I Got Paid Today. Before the break, new single from Iskway called Part 2. That's out today. It is Bandcamp Friday. So uh, if you have the means, maybe support some artists by purchasing their tunes. Uh, we've got a track from Rubble Bucket for you up next. And then my interview with Sushi Worms. Last week, I played Kimbop, new track from them. And uh, we get into the creation of that track and what Sushi Worms is all about in just a minute. And uh, then we'll hand things over to After 8 Radio after that. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
3: it last week when we closed with the new track from sushi worms uh we've got the person behind it joe is joining us the man behind sushi worms we played Kim bop welcome to the show
9: thanks very much michael
3: so as I understand it uh this was somewhat of a covid project sushi worms is that correct or the fact that your it's first true, album was yeah. called straight out of covid just a coincidence
9: it, it could be a little bit of humor there but uh no it was actually i was uh at the time I was with the military so i was hosted uh, on a NATO base in Belgium. And for whatever reason, uh, I got stuck in Germany with my son and we we're in a, a town called Worms. So we were, of course, eating sushi as you do when you're in COVID.
3: Germany known for its sushi.
9: It's not, that's the thing. But uh, this town spelt Worms, or Worms as they say in German, is the oldest town in Germany. So they say. so we just happened to blend the two together and then it started as a as a side project for COVID and then has morphed into this. So
3: was it like a, a solo project by virtue of like not being able to be around other people or like, is it something? Because I know you, you play in other bands and stuff. Was this something you kind of wanted to spin off and do something on your own just generally as someone who's in bands?
9: Yeah, I think that's a great question. So part of the military lifestyle is a lot of moving. And uh, I, I just retired two years ago from, from the service. So have, having moved every three years for most of my life, every time I joined a band, it would take a year to get it set up and then a year to play, and then you'd be at the, the last kind of uh, stages. So so I think it started as a, as a COVID frustration to get out because we just couldn't practice with the band that we had in Belgium. And then eventually I realized, you know, the drummer is usually the bottom, bottom of the food chain when it comes to writing. So I realized I had some stuff I wanted to, to put down electronically. And I don't play guitar very well. I, I'm a terrible singer, but I can play the drums. So I figured I would just base everything on drum beats and then just build it around that.
3: So is it the kind of thing like where you're essentially like riffing a drum beat and figuring out kind of a pattern that works that you can build a song atop? Like how do you kind of like build from the drums out?
9: Yeah, it's a good good question. The I think for most bands that I, that I play with, it's usually being a guitar riff or maybe a vocal or something that starts a song off. And so I had this brilliant idea that I was some drumming genius. I would just write my songs using the drums and it's very difficult to do. So what I started to do is I realized I could always drum Match a tempo or, or a rhythm to anything, so I figured I would start with the melody, and I I was I was using sampling software, and I would just find royalty free samples that were melodic. It could be a bass melody, it could be a guitar melody, or even a vocal melody, and then I would build the song around that.
3: So, what are you looking for when you're listening to those samples, other than them being royalty free? Like, what do you, what do you gravitate towards, exactly. or how do you how do you like discern this? This is something I can build around.
9: Yeah, it, it's it's interesting because. I I played music most of my life, but I don't really have a good backing in theory. I just know what I like. Mm-hmm. So I think I've got a good ear. So I, I would just go through the the samples. And if I found one sample, either usually it was a vocal or a guitar melody, and I would just put a beat to it and then just park it for a week or so. And then I would come back to it in a week and I'd add the bass element or, or something that was missing. One of the limitations of sampling is, is vocals. There's not a lot available. So I realized later as I put out a few more songs is to start hunting for the vocals and then try to match that with the melody.
3: When you said you parked things for a week, is that intentional like to like give yourself some space away from the song to come back to it fresh?
9: Yeah, it is because sometimes it's finding a melody and, and I realize these are samples that in theory anyone could use, but I honestly think sometimes I'd find the, the melody and I think I'm, it's like something I've done myself. It's the most unique thing. So I, I just put a beat to it so I can keep the tempo and then I just don't I just stay clear of it. And then a week later, when I come back into it, just the melody and, and the drum beat is usually enough for me to to move on from there. But the, the idea of that week of anticipation is similar to coming up with a riff during a guitar jam or band jam and then the, the week after you, you build the song.
3: Not knowing in terms of the, with these royalty free samples, like are you allowed to mess around with them? Like, Can you do affecting and, and warp the original melody?
9: You can, and it's funny because I, I even ask. I use two sampling software companies, and I you pay for a membership, and you have access to everything. And and really, the only thing they don't want you to do is to sell their samples individually. You uh-huh. like start your own company, but I've created some stuff that that uh, does have quite a bit of uh, change to it, I guess. And I asked them, and they don't have any issue with it at all. I, I put out an album two years ago, the straight out of COVID, and that was there was really not a lot of it, it was just putting it all together and then uploading it onto all the streaming platforms. But this EP, I've hired a professional producer in, in Winnipeg, and it's made the difference because he's gone in and he's manipulated every single sample to make it fit.
3: What led you to this producer and the decision to have outside help?
9: Well, it's funny because I sent, now i moved back to Canada, I sent uh, the first album of songs to friends of mine that I work with across Europe. And, and Germany, Germany is the hub of all... EDM I think right now and they just everything has to be a tempo of 120 beats per minute or it doesn't really count so that's kind of the vibe I got for my friend is he said I've shown it to a bunch of my my friends in, in Germany and no one will play it in a club because it's too slow it's mellow and it's nice but it's too slow so I decided to do everything at the tempo that I love to drum out which is 120 it's just two beats per second mm-hmm. and I'm most comfortable with that so I tried to get a lot of the songs at that tempo.
3: And then the the producer, the outside producer, like how did you arrive at that specific person?
9: Yeah, so I when I moved here, I joined Manitoba Music and I think it's one of the best organizations out there due to the size of the province and they're great because they'll sit you down and for free once you sign I mean you sign up for a membership, but it's, it doesn't cost much at all. And the director will run you through all your intentions as, as an artist, as a band they take you very seriously. And then they set up a series of workshops with professionals to help work you through the different phases of your career or your side project or just your hobby, and all is part of that same expense. So when I when I decided to to go a bit more serious than this one, I met uh, the producer for Precursor Productions here in Winnipeg at one of those sessions, and he was just providing a free one-hour workshop on, on how to move electronic music to the next level. Mm-hmm. And so I took him up on his offer and, and started working with him.
3: And just kind of generally vibe with him then, it sounds like?
9: I think so. We're both the same age with the same interest in music, that was just pure coincidence. And I just think the fact that right up front, when I contacted him, he took me seriously. I mean, I, I'm not anticipating a Grammy, but it was just nice to have someone take you seriously, walk you through the music, mm-hmm. explain everything and involving me in all parts of the process. Previously, when I've recorded, I've recorded two albums as a band doing it live on the floor or in session. And it's a different process. You don't necessarily get all that control. So as a solo artist, Working with a professional producer was brilliant because he let me not only be part of the process, but he educated me on, on what things, decisions I should be making, stuff to improve on the next song. So it was a really nice process.
3: So at what point does the producer come into things with a, like a track like Kimbop? Like, are you sending what you think is a finished product or are you sending kind of the demo version and saying, hey, I want your read on this?
9: Yeah, it, that's great, great question. I, I, I started with, here's the final product just do some magic, tweak it up and let, let's keep it under a hundred dollars. That was the initial plan. And I think uh, because I've, I've got four songs that, are, that is the EP is going to come out in December, but this song particularly, I really liked it. And my, my initial inclination was to just go with my gut. But once I sat down with them, there was an element of trust from the beginning. So look, this is not a matter of money. You can spend whatever you want or nothing, but he showed me on this system. This is where all the issues are with sound. And I, one complaint I had from putting out a, a self-produced album under the duress of COVID is that the, the volume was always lower than I wanted. So if you ever played it, uh, it was just too low. So he explained to me how to fix that. And we went through the process of taking that one song. And I he did have, uh, I'm using Ableton Live as one of the software tools and he had an expert in Ableton Live. So he sat with me as well for a couple hours, just show me some of the possibilities and some of the things that a lot of producers are using. So once I saw that that process, I was sold, and then basically hired them to finish the other three songs with me.
3: So you've kind of answered my next question already in terms of talking about you know the the prior record and it being quiet and like learning from that. But I I did want to ask you what you took away from or built upon from the first one to the new one.
9: I think it's like a lot of a lot of musicians. The first song I remember making when I was in Kingston, Ontario, the home of the tragically hip, and we were gunning to play it at the Toucan, which is where the hip would play on these surprise gigs. And I think I was just rushing it. It was just so excited to hear your own drums, in this case for me, with a band, with people I like, and just it sounded so great. But I wasn't looking at it from a real critical perspective. So once you took it to a producer, or a recording studio in this case, they record it, they produce it, and they put it out. And I think he had less interest in the solution. Whereas as a solo and as, a, as an EDM-style music, uh, this producer, Andrew, it was, was right into it. So he was telling me what he liked about it, what he didn't like about it as a music listener. And yeah, there's a business side to it. But at any time, I could have jumped out and produced it the same way. But I think the quality, it's not just volume, but the, but the quality and the things that he showed me has sold me the the value of adding, adding a producer, even if you're doing everything recording up, up to that on your own.
3: So before I let you go, Joe, I maybe since we played Kimbop and the rest of it's not out yet, did you want to pick something off a of straight out of COVID that we can play for folks? And maybe if you have a reason why you're picking it or something you want to talk about uh, like an anecdote or something you remember from making it.
9: Sure. So the the one I like the most is called as we coming out. And, and it was just, it was funny because I was struggling, as I mentioned with with vocals and I, I don't sing. So I, I wanted to do it all electronically. And that's a, that's a big challenge. It's actually fairly easy to bring people in to do voiceover and that stuff. So because of COVID, it was it was limited. So that was that was the lyric, uh, just for that sample. So I just put it down as a as a as a marker, and then before you know it, uh, there was a few of us working on it together out in the in the post production. It was it just came up as that song, and I just really liked the beat to it, and I like I just like the vibe. That was the first song I made.
3: So we'll play that one. Uh, when does the the rest of the EP come out?
9: So the 1st of, of December. So I just made it easy. I sat with Manto Music. I already had about an album of about 18 songs. I was going to whittle down to about 12. And uh, he came up with this great strategy just to release it as three EPs. So that way you have time in between to either set a theme or to or to work it into a different thing. So I, I have this long-standing uh, artifact, I guess they call it, that I when I was deployed into West Africa, it's called, it's just a sign I, I saw, it. I bought off this guy. It's called Hot, Sweet, and Jumpy. So it's, above my head as we're speaking right now. And uh, so this album is called Hot and then Sweet and Jumpy and the other two will be Sweet and then Jumpy and it makes more sense if you go on HotSweetAndJumpy.com. sweet and You'll see the artwork and the actual sign plus a, a couple other things together. So a, a lot of it's, uh, I think just adding a bit of humor to it as well.
3: Is that website the best place to keep tabs on your music?
9: It is. Yeah. So hot, sweet I basically everything can link to there. It also has the previous band tighten up when I was in Kingston and you can get to all the, all the streaming stuff from there as well. But ultimately it's just a, a nice hub for me to put all my creative stuff in one spot. And, uh, I, you can't see it unfortunately, but I'm passing out 300 copies of the album if you want to call that and I'll save one for you which is a pack of Mentos gum with the most amazing art on the front so when I eventually meet you Michael you're going to get your own uh, copy and then on that it just has all the information that you need so releasing an album on on a pack of gum is probably the first I've heard of it but it just (laughs) it was an idea we were working with
3: sure enough well Joe thanks for taking some time to talk about it and for sending your music our way
9: Thank you so much, Michael. And I, and I love the station. I, I'm, uh, again, I told you, I'm, I've just finished my first year in a PhD program, but uh, this is back to Queens radio when I was in Kingston. So this is awesome. And I'm gonna, it's on my car radio and every time I'm driving to U of M or back, I'm on it. So thank you.
3: Wonderful. Well, you're on it in two ways.
10: We're talking.
11: Must be sweet I am not afraid Of deep emotions Can we just Give it to chemistry Give me some more. Cause enough is not Enough I need some more Can you promise That there'll always be